Life Game Changers. This is where we are scouring the planet, looking for the people who have changed the game in their own right. And today we're going to be discussing the all-important subject of not only just business, not all going into the millions, uh, but also marketing, you know, and the ins and outs of it, why people may do it or, or may not do it. So uh, let's get this shared, shall we, while we uh, get people, some people to jump on. Oh, you know what I did, Jez? I forgot to uh, actually say we've got some prizes we're going to be giving away today. Yeah, we've got some prizes. Amazing. Yeah, and you're going to be selecting the winner. Here we go. So no, no pressure for me. Yeah, no pressure. Oh, you don't, don't worry. All you have to do is pick a number. <laughs> yeah, so hey, here we go. Got some people jumping on. So let us know. If you put hashtag live if you're watching this live, but hashtag replay if you're watching on the replay. Reason being, if you put replay and you ask a question, we know that obviously we have to get to your question because you weren't here live and we probably didn't answer it. Um, so hit the share button. You're going to be in for a chance of winning up to £4,000 worth of one-on-one -on -one coaching. This is like, you know, insane. Yeah, to be coming with a chance for that, though, you've got to hit the share button. Let us know you shared it. We'll give you a shout out. And then you've got to tag at least 20 people. Now, if you're in our real life tribe, you've got to tag at least 10 of those outside of the community. Let's give some more people some interesting topics to discuss. So, Jez, thanks for coming on. As you can see, guys, Jez uh, is into marketing, is into business. Uh, done over £40 million worth of uh, property deals, sourcing this to the amazing investors that are out there. We've got over 100,000 followers on social media. So, Jez, thanks for coming on, first of all. Thanks for having me. It's really uh, great to be spending my Monday evening with you. Nice. Good, good. And listen, just so people know what questions to ask and we can get into the thick of it, give us the highlight reel of Jez. What was Jez like growing up and how did you end up doing what it is that you're doing today? So I grew up in Essex, so don't hold that against me. Um, grew up in a, a single parent family, actually. Um, wasn't always easy um, kind of growing up and had sort of a lot of, I suppose, financial worries when we were you know was growing up so i wonder whether that's had actually had an impact on you know me being a sort of entrepreneur and trying to find my own way um i've always been into business did business at university then went on to work in the corporate sectors and charity sectors um working with people like deloitte vodafone deutsche bank and really getting some great experience there seeing inside those big companies but whilst also working for charities and actually you know making a, an impact on the world then it kind of i'm kind of got itchy feet and then sort of started thinking about what i could do and i've always been very entrepreneurial and and creative and actually pivoted into sort of working in hospitality had my own hospitality business for a while then went into working with other for other people came out of that experience having worked for a, a, a company in hospitality for like a couple of years really burnt out and kind of i'd had enough i was exhausted mentally and physically and probably a bit of a low point in my life and was feeling quite lost and quite unhappy and decided to leave that job and it was the first time in my life that I didn't you know have a have a job and you know that kind of I suppose uncertainty and unemployment was quite scary at the time and I ended up going to India to have a bit of a recharge a bit of a cliche I know but spent four weeks out there and read read a couple of pivotal books which really have changed my life so I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and I read Four Hour Work Week, and those books really gave me a sort of new sense of the world, opened my eyes to these concepts which I felt possibly I'd been missing, and really inspired me to firstly know that, given that I'd working for worked for people, you know, the whole of my kind of life and exchanging my time for money I realized at that point I needed to go out on my own and actually fulfill this entrepreneurial kind of drive that I had but also that I needed to start creating passive income streams and rich dad poor dad particularly 
inspired me to think about personal finance completely differently and turn my world upside down. So that's when I got into property, started investing myself, actually went all in. I actually sold my flat, my my home, because he says in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, your residential home is not an, is not an asset, it's a liability. So I went all in. <laughs> I rolled all the chips and all the dices and sold that and invested the money I now rent. And then started, I met my business partner, Dan, Dan, Daniel Duffield, um, on online on a property forum and kind of went from there. And we've been in business together four years now. Um, we have 12 staff. We have, uh, we've sourced over 40 million pounds of property for our clients. We have a hundred thousand followers on across all of our social media channels um we've just launched our new youtube channel which i'm really excited to be growing and now i've gone i've got a completely different life um i'm able to work when i want work remotely and i do have those passive income streams which are benefiting me now but i know it will benefit me hugely in the future as well um and create a legacy for you know for my family so that moment of difficulty and hardship i suppose and challenge when i lost that job was perhaps one of the best things that's happened to me mm. yeah good thanks for, for saying for bringing us up to speed to today uh plenty plenty to talk about there let's let's just hone in on it like you talked about you know reading the books now i think you know people in life they have different things that come up but sometimes tragedy sometimes desperation sometimes inspiration more desperation than inspiration at least what from what i've seen yeah and then and then they get a couple of insights yeah i'm interested what was the main thing that struck you and was like whoa i got to do things differently probably two things one from each book one was the view of of personal finance that i mentioned in rich dad poor dad viewing debt differently and viewing assets and liabilities differently so that whole concept of that we've always been taught that you own a property you own a car you own i don't know a watch and it's all it, they're all assets in fact they're not by his definition because the only thing that is an asset is something that brings you income so it's a very simple concept in some ways but it's that goes against completely what we've been taught throughout all of our lives in terms of um, finance. And then secondly, I would say about passive income. Both books talk about passive income and how important it is in order to it to be an enabler to give you the life that you want. Because that's what it's all about. It's not just actually about getting rich because money is, a, is an enabler. It gives you choices and it opens doors for you mm. and allows you to make different decisions. And I think that was the point of me at the time where I was in my life that I felt I didn't have many choices. And I probably felt quite lost and disenfranchised with the lack of different options that I had. But I saw through passive income that it gives you the option to create the life that you want. And that's what he talks about in four hour work week is he talks about lifestyle design through having passive income. So having that passive income and then allows you to say, I'm going to work abroad for six months, or I'm not going to work, I'm going to travel around, uh, you know, the, the West Indies on a on a yacht. But that's up to you. And it's creating the life that you want because you've got that financial freedom, because you've got that foundation of, of passive income. So mm. those two books very much complemented each other. And it was, it wasn't, you know, it was very much by chance that I read both of those. I think a friend recommended Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then I can't remember how I came, stumbled across um, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, but they were exactly what I needed at that time. It's funny how that happens sometimes as well, isn't it? Like you, you actually you get a, some, you get a book uh, or a piece of content that actually is what you need to hear at that point in time. Yeah, uh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm in the middle of moving. You wouldn't know, 
half my library is already gone. But uh, some of the books I look and I'm like, I don't even remember how I got that. Like, why would I even mm. select that? Mm. Like, sometimes they just show up. But here's an interesting concept. Because a lot of people, they talk about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I had the pleasure of sharing the stage with him back in 2021. And uh, he, he like the concept is a no-brainer. But I think people view it differently. Now, you know this thing about passive income? Like yeah. the most common definition of passive income, and you can put it in the chat. What's your, or the comments, guys, put it, put it in there. What's your definition of passive income? You know, because the most common one I see and I hear is that when you get your passive income, more than your living expenses yeah that's when you're supposed to have like financial freedom yeah so let's explore this let's see who you know who might want to ask some questions i want to get your view on it as well just because you know the whole want to break free well like let's say i don't know maybe passive income needs to be 2k i mean these days you ask people and like, i need to earn five grand a month <laughs> and jesus man what are you doing you need yeah. five grand for yeah. what yeah, but anyway, whatever it is, let's say to get to that figure. And now that now they're like, I like to call it recurring income. Yeah, so the recurring income is now more than the, the lifestyle, uh, more than the current lifestyle. But now you're trapped again in that current lifestyle, in my opinion. You know, so, so my, my definition of financial freedom is like, what size money problem are you able to solve? Or what size money problem am I able to solve? That's your level of freedom. You know, so if I can if I can earn a thirty k a year problem, then that's all the, the level of freedom mm. I have. If I can solve a thirty k a day problem, yeah, or a hundred k a day, or what if I can solve a one million pound money problem? What if I can solve a hundred million pound money problem? I think that for me determines the the level of freedom somebody has. It's like what size money problem can you solve? But what do you think about that and the contrast between this whole? Uh, theory of passive income well I, I would firstly say that there's obviously levels of passive income which um need to be i suppose acknowledged that it's particularly at the beginning it's very difficult to actually um get a true passive income um but also what i would say is that um i think and then you know, obviously, we work with a lot of clients. And obviously, we are essentially, a, I suppose, a service for people looking to get a passive income, because we're looking for, you know, people that use our services actually don't want to be doing the, the running around themselves. So but what I would say is that that's got to be acknowledged, that there is a cost to passive income, because essentially, someone has got to do the work somewhere. So therefore, there needs to be someone needs to be paying for that service. So yeah, you can do lots of things yourself, like, you can invest in property yourself but again ultimately you're exchanging time for money so there, there has to be um a an acknowledgement that actually to be passive someone has got to be outsourced essentially to do that work and therefore there is going to be a cost to the person involved the beneficiary of that in order for them to get their time back um, but not everyone necessarily sees it like that. I think people feel that they can achieve passive income without any sort of additional costs, if you get what I mean. In terms of answering your question about the levels of passive income, yeah, I mean, what I would say is that I think I think this whole concept around money and what people try and strive for a lot of it is potentially around some of its status and ego um and some of it is probably an internal driver that we might have got from childhood that actually we need to um achieve a certain level of of income because it makes us feel kind of worthy and our self-worth is wrapped up in in that income so the point I'm making here is I think you've got to be careful in terms of, um, you know, looking to say, yeah, I'm going to earn a million pounds passive income next year. And it, it is doable. But my question would be, why do you want to do that? You know, are you look is that is there a reason for that? Or is that just a great number to to look at? Um, you know, 
why do you need that uh, a million pounds passive income, for example? Or is it just your ego getting wrapped up and actually would, you know, 100,000 be okay? Because there is that study, which is a great study, and I'm, I think they probably changed the figures now, but they say that there's no um, uplift in happiness above something like $78,000. There was a study done, and I can't remember where the study was done, but it was an American study. Yeah. So. Who, who they interviewing people doing shit they don't like you know mm, i don't know yeah so that's the that's the interesting part you know what i love about this whole thing about money is because i was i grew up broke too you know like you know my mom used to go to the toilet in the dark thinking she's saving money on electricity <laughs> you know? she, wow. used to, she used to like rewash sandwich bags and hang them out to dry like mm. you know like 20p for like 50 bags or whatever back then and she's still recycling them yeah so so i know what being broke is like but um, when I had the drive for money, like uh, at one point when I kind of got the taste for it, I ripped my own dad off. You know, I started mm. off paying less money, you know, for a job that I had got because now I felt like I'm in control and I need more mm. money. You know, I need to do it like this and and so on. Um, so, like, people have got to be careful if they, like you say, going out for the money. Like, oh, I want to make a million. Why do I want to make a million? I think it's not the amount of money. It's the way you're making the money. That's that's That's... That's what I feel about it, you know, because I mean, let me let me ask everybody listening. I mean, what would you rather do? Would you rather have and this might be a hard question. Would you would you have would you have a bank 5K a month doing what you freaking love? Like you love it. Yeah. Or would you rather have, I don't know, let's say uh, 10 grand a month double. Yeah. Doing something that's like a hustle and a grind for you. You know, which one? What would you do, Jez? I mean, I mean, how do you position yourself and your business, like, and how do you drive? What drives you? I think I'll definitely um, take the five k. By the way, in order in answer to your question, because I think you know, I I lost my dad when I was twenty five, and. I lost my grandparents a couple of years ago in quick succession. Like they died within four weeks of each other. And every time, you know, I lose someone close, it really teaches me that life's too short. And that means that I have to be maximizing the experiences of life. That is my, that is my driver. So coming back around to I suppose the business is I'm looking to create a uh, a life where it's all about experiences for myself and for you know for my family and that's what is driving me um like personally speaking to create um a, a business where I can um eventually we're not there yet, but eventually start doing lots of other, I suppose, projects and maybe run other businesses as well. But because that's what I really enjoy doing. And it's kind of like that exper experiential thing of, you know, because I'm quite creative. So having my sort of toes in lots of different projects and working with great people is something I really enjoy and that's what's personally kind of driving me and it's all about the great experiences and the memories whether that's in the workplace or whether that's outside of it and what really what also drives me is and this is related to what you know we're trying to do is making an impact on people and making a positive impact on people and our kind of ethos as a company is to make a positive impact on people, whether that's our clients and helping them to reach their financial freedom goals, or whether that's our, you know, guests in our service accommodation properties and giving them a great experience and high, you know, high quality experience, or whether that's our tenants. And everything that we do is based on that premise of essentially high quality experiences and high quality, um, I suppose, impact for us as a as a whole business and you know that's why i've just started my podcast as well is because that is all about um 
business failure and telling the lessons of business failures and challenges and setbacks that come up because there's not enough messaging out around in the world about that it's all about success but you know i feel that we can learn more from failure than we can from success and that is you know that podcast is about because sharing stories of people that have great insights from from the failures that they've um overcame the kind of podcast that i want to listen to but with the whole premise of helping other business owners business leaders entrepreneurs to actually learn and develop themselves and improve themselves from that learning around failure so again make help making a positive impact on their lives through that podcast so yeah that, that those are the things that kind of drive me nice i love it you know uh what's interesting i asked the question a lot of people saying i want to make the 5k you know um one thing i learned through the journey of personal development is um is is never to it's never to decide either or you know find a way to make the 10 find a way to make the 10k from doing what you love instead but you know one of the biggest things you know because i've not been scared of hard work and i, and I know from you know speaking to you already you're not being scared of hard work either but the great thing about real estate yeah which is you know both of our primary businesses mm. is is like you know I, I made more money from real estate than anything else I've ever done, you know, no matter how much time, effort, energy I put into any other of these things in the IT industry, software, construction, you know, training company, all of that stuff. Like property is what's to yield is the best returns. But you know, one thing, the best things about it is like the more work you put in and the more, the more it can grow, you can keep putting work in and it grows even more. Yeah. So, so like this is all about using business and real estate to empower people's lives, mm. which is now they can create income and there is an industry like real estate. And some people are like, yeah, but I don't like it and I'm not into it. And that's the great thing about it as well. You don't have to be because you could be totally hands off, you know, use people like yourself to find the mm. deal, use people to manage the deals, use people to run the show, you know, just need to have someone uh or you just need to have the you know business acumen or even you could hire someone to do that as well mm, yeah exactly. to, to passive income and then because you know let's say i don't know maybe you love pottery i mean there may be a way to become a multi multi-millionaire from pottery making it maybe there is yeah but i i think it's probably you know the select few so one thing about real estate is and like what you said is creating these vehicles is like then people can do what they love and not really worry about how much yeah, money exactly maybe, maybe you want to be a tennis coach and get paid 30 yeah. an hour mm. which by the way ain't that bad compared to some people but still it's not going to make you rich is it yeah but like you know you could be the tennis coach or be the football coach or be a football referee and get paid i don't know how much you get paid these days 40 quid for effing a match or something no, no idea actually <laughs> well probably not enough to be shouted at for 90 minutes but <laughs> yeah but maybe you love that but then your vehicle mm. is making the other money mm. so so tell us about marketing jess because like what what is it about marketing that people are doing what is it about what are they not doing and what should people be doing i think with marketing what people aren't doing and um I, I'm also a mentor at um, a property training company. Um, and I speak to a lot of people there and speak a lot about, you know, people building their personal brands and, and doing marketing. And I think that firstly, people were scared. I think people will get scared to start. Um, and they procrastinate too much. They worry about what people are going to think, particularly, you know, maybe their friends and family that not sure if they know that they're in getting into property for example so i think um people are definitely scared to get going and they overthink it and they overthink everything that they're doing and the content they're producing and that means that they don't normally start so i think that's one um issue really and related to that i think they also post the wrong content sometimes um they post safe content. So they will just post a picture of themselves, um, a picture of themselves with, you know, viewing a property today. 
But actually, that's not the real lesson. There will be some lessons in there, in that viewing, for example, that they could share and jump on a video and, and talk about. So there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of fear there. And that means that people often procrastinate and don't normally get started. <clears throat> I would say um, the other thing is that if the people do start, they don't post enough. Um, they don't generate... What is enough, Jess? Because there's, there's always controversy yeah. over there. Like people say, oh, you're posting too much, quality yeah. over quantity, and I, like yeah. it just sets people off on a, on a turn, you know, turn in which way they don't know. I would say, and I've heard, you know, I heard a lot of people say this, um, like that are, you know, far, far uh, sort of above me in business, is that if you're not pissing some people off, from the amount of content that you're producing, you're not producing enough content. Mm. Um, and and that whole thing that you see people do really well, which is that omnipresence thing, like they're literally, they feel like they're everywhere. That's from posting content consistently and you know, numerous times a day across numerous platforms. So the person I think at the moment who does it, who's doing it, but that's obviously because I'm following him and I'm, I'm a big fan of what he does, but it's Stephen Bartlett. He literally feels like he's everywhere at the moment. And he's posting, I would say, at least three or four, probably more than that, pieces of content himself on all of his channels. But then obviously there's other people talking about him as well from various things that he's collaborating on and partnering on. Um, and in order to get that omnipresence, Gary V is the same. Gary V, but that's that his whole Gary Vanderchuk's whole model is around omnipresence and essentially creating as much content as you can and posting it every single day. Do you think um, people worry about like whether people like it or you know if yeah. they if they see Gary V getting I don't know fifty thousand hundred thousand mm. views and they get like I don't know three hundred two hundred whatever do you think that affects people? I, I think it does, and you obviously always and it's we all do it right. We all compare ourselves to other people, and it's the worst thing uh, that social media has brought about is and how much that's accelerated that comparison that we all have and that tendency of us all to compare each other to other people it's been exacerbated by social media and you get it all the time for in this context people comparing themselves to other people in terms of social media presence marketing but the problem is is that they're comparing themselves to people who are potentially 10 20 years ahead of them but also in terms of this example we're talking about as well, you've got to look at it from a relative point of view. Because Gary V, for example, on his Instagram has got 10 million um, followers. So if he gets 50,000 views, you've got to work out the percentages because that's probably not actually that much. But if you've got 500 followers and you're reaching 200, that's actually pretty good conversion. And that's the way you've got to look at it as well. It's looking at those... Um, I suppose the data and those uh, everything relatively. Mm. But then, what's the real reason behind all of that anyway? Like, are, are, are people these days just doing it to say, "I've got this many followers, I've got this many views"? Like, what, what do you think the whole kind of psychology behind that is for people? Yeah, of course, there's going to be some status in it for some people, and obviously, there is lots of people out there now calling themselves influencers and that has become a I suppose a fairly <laughs> legitimate uh job for some people you know they just earn an income from from social media content and get loads of um passive income by the uh, way by the way everybody in property should be an influencer mm. for tax purposes <laughs> okay and that's it Oh, yeah, because influencer, like, you know, that brings a whole new realm of different research, development, uh, expense, mm. all of these different things. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Rather than just property, you know, business expenses, like an influencer now now is like, uh, it's a tax bracket, so to say, or, or mm. like a tax mm. sector. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah.
So, so like, and again, I think that's that's amazing. I just want to. We were talking about this just before we went live, right? Let me see if I can find it again. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, what about stuff like this? Do you think this? Let me know in the comments, guys, what you think of this. So, I was just telling uh, Jess before. I said I wrote this post to say, yeah, we bought a property, 154k, uh, but it was valued at 175, and our prop valve. We thought it was going to be 420. We thought, yeah, 420 is a good thing once we turn it into a six-bed HMO, where the prop actually comes back at 335. So I kind of just screenshotted the part of the email, which is obviously I don't want to send my guy's details out there and all the rest of it. And one guy comments and he says, anyone can write a message and screenshot it. Question mark, asking like, what's the source of it? <laughs> do you think do you think this is you know one of the things by the way we'll show everyone who is look, look, who's this guy yeah, i don't even know this guy's name yeah so um do you think this this is the kind of thing that stops people? by the way guys do, do you fear this happening to your posts like let us know in the comments absolutely i mean people will be they are scared of no one likes negativity right no one likes haters um and that will definitely be putting people off um i would also just it's just funny isn't it some people on social media do have far too much time on their hands but also there's a lot of bitter people on on, on social media as well isn't there jealous people i think um I, but yeah it will put people off but what i would say back to you know what i said earlier it's going to come with the territory if you are getting a certain level of following on social media that you will start to get negativity and you'll start to get random shitty comments like that and haters and actually again what people that I look up to and um are far ahead of me in business say that actually you are doing something right if you get haters online because it means you're you're getting a level of reach to then bring those people because those people are probably outside of your 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 sort of sphere and actually it's kind of a good thing because it means you're reaching more mainstream audiences yeah yeah and i mean it is i mean i look at this one you know so look here's the thing guys this i'll just listen i i'm totally transparent jez i know we're only just kind of talking for the first time right you know into any depth but you know any, like most of the people who know me from our real life community mm. you know, just transparent yeah so look this only got 34 likes so you could look at it and say what a piece of crap that is you know what why why do that or you could look at something else and say well hold on it's only got two likes yeah but it says it's reached 16 and a half thousand people right yeah yeah so some people they must be looking at it yeah but the question is what would you do for some people like this you know people are saying we need haters you know just the fear of rejection all the rest of it you know what i like to do uh jess <clears throat> I took on this strategy after you know being exposed to the cold stuff. What's his name? Burgo. Burgo. Let's ask. Let's ask Burgo. Hey Burgo, I got Jez here. Jez, you got a message for Burgo? Oh hi. Um, I would say um, I hope you're having a good day, and <laughs> I um, I hope you're having a, a, a you know a, a kind of good October because. Um, yeah and um, you've got to believe in in what you in sort of read and um yeah well it's the thing i just reply with a video and normally like it just either they carry on and it's funny yeah or they um they just think oh shit, it's a real person now because like this is yeah. so keyboard warrior syndrome 100%, yeah yeah it's very easy to do isn't it like it's very it's easy it's so easy to hide behind the, as you say the keyboard for, for the so he certainly wouldn't say that to you in the street yeah i mean maybe he would i don't know but <laughs> I doubt it. yeah but anyway we posted that now we posted that well, i'm I sure i'm sure my me <laughs> i'm sure my message was but i think the point i was making actually in terms of the message is I, i've it, we're talking about haters right and i you know a lot of people will be scared of getting that kind of level of hate but some of the best advice that i've seen for how people respond to haters is literally just respond with kindness yeah you, you know and, and just go hope you're having a great day like love lots of love to your you know family and friends 
what you know because well, it that completely de-escalates it yeah here's a strategy not many people would take on yeah and 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 i'm still i'm still midway through this strategy because it's not happened yet but like um you see my hair right you know pe people people kind of like mainly comment on my hair they're like it'll get your hair caught when they're going to come and finish it off you know all those jokes one of the funniest things i don't know if did you ever play a game um tekken you remember tekken yeah 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 so I was reading it. Yeah, I was reading this one guy and he commented what the what the Paul from Tekken is that haircut? And I literally burst out laughing. You remember Paul from Tekken? No, I don't remember what he looks like. No, no. I used to have like the big tall hair, like a Jedward hairstyle. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just burst out laughing. I was thinking to myself, this is one of the best, you know, comments. I mean, some people they get dead personal and a bit stupid. Yeah, yeah. This guy was kind of funny. Yeah, so then I, th I thought, you know what? I'm going to grow this beard. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because if people are going to start saying stuff about the hair, that's cool. But like I kind of, you know, heard heard most of it, except the Paul from Tekken one. That was funny. And I was waiting for someone to say, hey, you look like a goat. And then I was like, yeah, I'll take goat. Yeah, Can't call yourself a hero. Can't call yourself the greatest of all time. But yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Other people call me that. But like it's not happened yet, so like uh, maybe I need to post more videos or uh, stuff with a beard out there. I think you should get your best Tekken outfit on, and you know maybe you know go to the the Tekken background and and you know do some videos content there. But I think we should talk about this because every business has got to do marketing if they want to stay around. You know all these statistics they put out there where businesses die off, don't you know, blah blah blah. I mean, number one, some people they think they're a business entrepreneur because they paid thirteen quid to register a limited company. You know, people think they're a business owner because they've got a limited yeah, company. Yeah. Obviously, that couldn't be further from the freaking truth. Mm, mm. Yeah. But the other thing is um, that. Like they say they fail because of the marketing. I never forget, you know, Gary V years ago, someone asked him, what was the, what's the ROI on social media? And he, he replied, what's the ROI on your mum? You know, like he just, how, how do you quantify ROI? Yeah. And, and, yeah, then he, yeah, yeah. and then he kind of caught himself and he said, I tell you what, the ROI is in five, if you, if you use the social media in five years, you'll still be in business. And then mm, I, mm. like these days, if you think about it, even you want to go to a freaking restaurant, if you ain't on Google, then you ain't being found unless no, you know no. some old school thing. Yeah. It's so, that thing actually talking about, you know, people feel that they have got a limited or business because they got a limited company. I think it's the same. People feel they've got a business if they've got a website. And I'm like, how many websites are there in the world? I mean, <laughs> website. no one finds, no one's going to find your website if you're not shouting about it anywhere. They're not just going to randomly come across it. You're better off just to have like all these social medias. You, like, okay, having a website's good as well because you, at one point you've got to get, you know, like the, the traffic that Facebook or mm. Instagram or, or whoever owns because ba basically they own the traffic and then you've got to turn it into your traffic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I have you know your brand on it. Yeah, so website's good, but like if you was to, if I was to pick, say you can only have one, which obviously you don't, you can have both. But if I have a website or have a social media page, I click a social media page all day long. Why? Because the traffic's already there. It's already set up. I can do it by myself on this device. I can do it from anywhere in the world. We can do podcasts like this, and now we can rip this up and put it into small videos, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, wherever we want to put it. Yeah, and and I think we should spend just a little bit of time on um, you know on, on like look marketing your business is absolutely essential. We've taught so many people in in the, in the community to like like you got to raise finance by marketing yourself. Let people mm. know what it is. But what is it that stops people marketing? Is all these fears that we've just been talking about. So um, one of the, one of the best films that I like that will help with this and and hence you know growing this hence you know just. You know, I, I think I keep my hair because I think, you know, whatever, I don't mind. You know, I thought about shaving. It's a brand thing now, yeah? It's yeah, like a personal brand thing. Thinking, yeah, well, I don't know. It is what it is. You know, I don't mind. You know, the, the, that's why I wear the hat, right? Because like, yeah, that's your style. That's your status. You know, right now, this is my style. Maybe I shave it off. I don't know. In fact, put it in the comments. You want me to shave my head? Maybe we'll do some charity. But anyway, back to my point. My point is old school film. You must have seen it. Eight Mile. I've not actually. No, are you serious? With Eminem. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not seen. Yeah, well, there's a scene at the beginning. You know, his whole song about choking. You know, right. Yeah. And, and, and in the film, like he's he's goes into this rap battle and this guy just rips him to shreds and it's his turn and he has nothing to say. He's like, oh, you know, he's done. And later in the film, he meets the guy again and you can search the scene. I recommend everyone search the scene. And 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 he actually says all of the stuff that this guy can say about him, that he, you know, he is a lives with his mom in a trailer park and he's, you know, all of this and blah, blah, blah. Someone slept with his girlfriend, all of this stuff. Because then the other person had nothing else left to say. Yeah, so I think, you know, when you can joke about yourself through your marketing, mm. in a position where it's like, okay, whatever anyone's going to say, it's going to be a joke. I think that's where the game changes. You know, what advice would you have? You know, what's some of your biggest tips that will help people get over the fear, be more consistent being out there online? I think firstly, just don't overthink it. And I, what I would also say is just like, just do it. So set yourself a a goal, for example. And actually, I've just set myself this goal to uh, as well recently, because I felt I wasn't doing enough social media. It was a bit more sporadic, um, like on my personal channels. Set yourself a goal, for example, to say and hold yourself account just say, I'm going to repost for 100 days. Or, you know, if that's too much, say 50, you know, to make it a little bit more. And just because that will just really mean that you've got a kind of target to, to aim for. And then it just becomes about that consistency rather than overthinking it or going, I'm not feeling it today. Or going, yeah, that post didn't get very many reach. This is this isn't working, so I'm just going to give up now. Because that's the other thing we didn't talk about is people giving up when they're not getting the results from it that they maybe expect. And that's, that's interesting because what is the results? You know, is it reach? Is it views? Is it you know sponsor deals? I, I, I think you're. I think you're completely right. Earlier when you said it is difficult to quantify because you don't always necessarily see the results of social media um, like directly because, you know, for example, you might, I don't know, get a client for whatever your business is, but they might not come through social media. They might, um, I don't know, phone you up, for example, but they've probably done so much research on you beforehand via social media. I can't remember the stat. I'm reading a really good book on marketing at the moment by Marcus Sheridan called um, They Ask, You Answer. And he talks about a stat now that the so 50 years ago, the buying decisions were made more during the sales process. So, you know, you didn't really know a company and you would just get to know them through the process of interacting with them, the sale. But he says that's completely changed and, and moved on its head now is that, I don't know the stat, but it's a, it's maybe like 70% of people have already made a buying decision before they've even contacted the company. And they've, they've made that buying decision through all of the interaction and all of the touch points they would have made across all of your um, social media and online content. So it is very difficult to, to kind of quantify. And I'll give you another example, which is related to, you know, property. Talking about raising finance we've got one um investor at the moment who we're on to our second set of of properties they they give us a fixed um a fixed return um or we give them a fixed return based on a you know a loan agreement a fixed term loan agreement and they said they were watching us for one year on social media before they got in contact yeah absolutely and yeah. that's what i'm saying is that the results might not come overnight they won't come within a week. They won't come within six months. But you don't know what doors that is going to open, you know, over time. And yeah. that is why it's consistency and viewing it as a long-term game and not a short-term game. Because that is the other issue we've got really in general, isn't it? In because of social media, we're expecting everything to happen now. Yeah, and it reminds me of a video we did, you know, a few years ago. We, we created a video 
and it actually got loads of traction because the title was how sex made me a millionaire <laughs> yeah and i actually thought it was quality content the problem was with the title yeah because it was coming up in the wrong audience <laughs> yeah 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 i'm sure you got a lot of comments on that no comments no no because they realized it weren't obviously what they thought they were looking for i guess anyway i guess so um so in that video though i talked about like you know yeah well, how sex made me a millionaire is because you know it ain't about the end goal like what do you get into the into the into the opportunity for for having sex with someone and be like okay let's get this done then you know mm -hmm. like i don't think that'd be weird if someone was like okay let's get over and done with then so like if the end result is you know clients maybe it is maybe it's growing your brand or whatever but if you can't learn to enjoy the process yeah which mm. is that's why in business I, I i think business is like intercourse yeah it's it's actually the the chase it, it, it's the journey it's the ins and outs of everything and, mm. and Actually, the longer that journey goes on, sometimes and actually most of the time, the better it, it is, the better the whole kind of experience is. But people are so quick these days, they want to just get everything done. And it's like if you cannot enjoy the journey for uh, posting and marketing and actually doing your business, then I think you're already lost. I mean, it's a great analogy. I've never heard that one before, but I like it. <laughs> No, I mean it's true. Isn't it? Yeah, it's true. We only use the truth on this channel. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's it. So anyway, we've got to wrap this up. We've got a mastermind that our guys go to eight o'clock every uh, every Monday. So uh, I got to ask you two more questions. Really important. Yeah. So the first question is, um, the first question is, let's say there are people out there. They want to market. They want to raise finance they want to you know maybe source like you sell 40 million quid whoever deals yeah what would your message be to this group of people what would your message be to help them you know get some traction out there in terms of marketing well just whatever whatever the message is maybe they've got some fear maybe they need to market maybe they need to you know take a chance like what, what's your what, what would your I, be yeah i would say take the plunge whether that's starting a new business or whether that is um you know starting to do social media content overthinking and procrastination won't get you anywhere and you've got to start taking action and that whole concept of start now perfect later is so true and just starting something and actually getting some progress and starting to get some traction even if it is just you know looking at sort of social media even if it is just posting some slightly rubbish content to begin with whilst you get used to it that's better than not doing anything at all and it's the same with business it's like starting a business and starting that thing that you've that business idea that you've thought about for such a long time without doing it without actually starting it without actually getting it out there in the world is not going to get you further or actually or even towards your kind of goals so i would say just just kind of just get going on it and stop thinking about it but also focus on the things that are actually going to make a difference so i see this a lot with with new property people it's the same with kind of new business people in, in some ways they don't focus on the things that are actually going to move the needle they probably focus on the slight fluffy stuff the, the stuff that is probably more inside their comfort zone so the websites we were talking about it earlier the websites the limited companies the you know the business cards that's not <laughs> that's not going to actually make your business fly or make your property investment journey easier or accelerate it. So focus on the, on the marketing. I mean, it, it really is all about marketing at the end of the day in terms of like starting a new business, because without that, without that having that marketing to drive your sales funnel and, and sales pipeline, 
nothing else is going to work. So I'd probably say if you're starting a business, focus on marketing. And if you're st starting a property, focus on, you know, on the on the building your personal brand on social media and just just get going. And don't worry if it's a bit shit at the beginning. Don't worry if um, if you feel uncomfortable because all of that is natural and it's you're in training a little bit but just don't be scared of what people are going to think because to be honest no one really cares <laughs> they generally don't that's it you're right they don't but uh it's a it's a psyche that uh you know people find difficult to get over so thank so i've got one last question i ask everyone this question i like to get people's opinion on it so before i ask you that question thanks so much jess for coming on thanks Sharing so much for having me sharing all the uh, insights, especially around marketing, which I think is a big thing for people. So I really appreciate that. So here's the last question. Uh, in our community, we have a saying. Yeah, this saying is that you've got to do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Because I think it's all about integrity. And I think integrity is so crucial um, in business. And I think it's also so crucial to the human psyche that we are aligned to our own core and personal values. So that integrity means that if you're doing something that doesn't align with your values, over, over time, you'll start to feel misaligned and then we'll start to probably feel that something is a little bit off. And that is why you should focus on doing the things that align with your personal values and feel right to you and that you are passionate about. Very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, once again, thanks for coming on. Thanks for everyone viewing this evening. Look thanks forward for having to seeing me. you guys in the mastermind with one of our coaches who are taking care of that. So you heard it here, all the information here from Jess, and you've got to remember, we always do the right thing for the right reason because that is the only way we discover our true potential. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.